0: Well, hey there, families. I am so excited to bring you a new episode of the Fresh Start Family Show with my friend, Dr. Shauna Shapiro, who is the author of many great books, but her latest one is called Good Morning, I Love You. Mindfulness and self-compassion practices to rewire your brain for calm and clarity and joy. And oh my goodness, parents, can I get a heck yes if you could use some more calm and some more clarity in your parenting walk? Yes, I know we all could. And of course we all are always craving to have joy as we raise our precious little souls we've been entrusted to raise, right? So I I think you're going to love this episode because Shauna gives us some really great uh, uh, tangible, actionable steps that we can do to create a mindfulness practice. um, and, And she also brings in the science to help us understand why having a mindfulness practice and a self compassion practice is so important and really creates the kind of results we want to have in our lives. So I really love this book. Shauna and I became friends a few years ago and have stayed in touch. And as she was writing this book over the last year, I just couldn't wait to get my hands on it. And as soon as I did, it did not disappoint. It's really one of those books I think you keep on your bookshelf forever because it's one that you can revisit over and over again um, because it's just really, really that good. So you can go find out more about the book um, over on the Fresh Start Family website. I actually have a page where I've curated all of my favorite books over the years, um, my favorite resources that parents can use to teach when they need to um, use compassionate discipline with their kids, art supplies, everything you can think of that I've run across over the last few years that I end up loving and recommend to the families that I work with through my Bonfair membership program or the foundations course. It's all neatly organized over on the website on our shop page. So you can go over there, freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash recommend. And you'll find all of my my favorite recommendations and this book good morning I love you is there so head on over check it out while you're there grab a copy of good morning I love you and enjoy this episode
1: well hey there I'm Stella welcome
0: to my mom and dad's podcast the fresh start family show we're so happy you're here We're inspired by the ocean, Jesus, and rock and roll, and believe deeply in the true power of love and kindness. Together, we hope to inspire you to expand your heart, learn new tools, and strengthen your family. Enjoy the show! Well, hey there, families, and welcome to today's episode of the Fresh Start Family Show. We are delighted to be here with Shauna Shapiro, who is a mindfulness expert, and Shauna is going to talk to us about how self-compassion can transform our family. Welcome, Shauna, to the show. Oh, thank you. Delighted to be here. Yay! All right, you guys. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Shauna, and then um, we are going to get right into our subject matter for the day. So Shauna is um, a mama. She's a best-selling author. She just um, came out with a book called Good Morning, I Love You, and she also has a book called Mindful Discipline, which is actually how Shauna and I met a few years ago. Um, Thank thank God for the World Wide Web and the internet, but I think, Shauna, you found me somehow on the internet, and you, I'll never forget, you called me me one day and it was like six o'clock at night I was I was making dinner and I think you expected to get like an office you know, like voicemail or something, and I answered, and you were like, "Oh, hi! I'm my name's Shauna. Like, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm an author, and I just wanted to talk to you about your work." And we just kind of hit it off, and be- and became friends, and um, ended up becoming, like I said, friends in real life. And we've kept in touch over the years. And when you published this latest book that just released, I knew um, I really wanted to have you on the show. Um, but it it's funny how that that all worked out. But okay, so so more about Shauna. So Shauna is a clinical psychologist and an internationally recognized expert in mindfulness and self-compassion. She's a professor at Santa Clara University, and she has three critically acclaimed books, as well as a TED Talk called The Power of Mindfulness that has been viewed over 1.5 million times. That's crazy, Shauna. <laughs> um, but Shauna, before we get started on this subject matter today, just tell us a little bit more about yourself. And you know, tell the listeners um, you're, you're a mama. Um, you're engaged to be married. Um, tell us just a little bit more about why you wrote this book and why you're so passionate about mindfulness. Mm, thank
2: you for that introduction. Um, yes, I. I am a mother, and I have found that these practices has, have helped me more um, in parenting than in any other place, because for me, that's where the vulnerability is, and that's where also the greatest passion and the greatest love are. Um, but I discovered these practices well before becoming a mom. I was 17, and I had spinal fusion surgery. So I went from this healthy, active teenager to lying in a hospital bed for six months um and through that time of a lot of pain and a lot of loneliness, um, I discovered mindfulness. And it has been this lifelong love affair, um, this incredible journey that helped heal me in terms of my my physical pain, but also really has been this incredible aid in finding joy and um and meaning and really vitality in life because mindfulness is really about seeing things clearly it's about seeing the present moment you know so many of us live on automatic pilot just going through the motions and mindfulness is about waking up to the beauty of life and to the pain of life and to all of it and really gives us the resources we need to meet each moment
1: yes that's wonderful I think that's what we all crave in our life, but you're right; we are always looking at the horizon and and miss so much.
0: Yeah, and and especially when it comes to parenting, there is so much that we do on autopilot, and so much habit breaking that you know that happens. And I love how your book um, just goes so much into the science behind why you know why. I love the the idea that you're going to talk to us about neuroplasticity plasticity in a little bit but before we get into that um tell us a little bit more like if you were to to define mindfulness in like layman's terms what is what does it even mean right i remember um a few years ago you know when i first started to hear this word and even still i think before i read your book i was like a little confused and it seems so kind of out there right like mindfulness like I'm like, what does that even mean? But your book does such a beautiful job of of describing what it is and then telling us about this IAA model, which is really easy to remember and helps you actually implement it into your daily life. So tell us more about that.
2: Great. Well, so mindfulness, as I said, the word mindfulness means to see clearly. So all we're trying to do is see clearly so that we can respond effectively And the way we see clearly first is by paying attention. You know, people often say that time is our most valuable resource. They're wrong, it's our attention. We need to be able to pay attention in order to know how to meet the present moment. So the first part of mindfulness is simply learning how to focus our attention. And yet there are so many choices, right? We have so much information and so many choices of where to focus. And so another part of mindfulness is our intention, which is, what's the most important thing? Where do I want to focus my attention right now? And then the final element of mindfulness is our attitude, which is how we pay attention, paying attention with kindness and curiosity. And I think that one is the one that's most often overlooked, right? People can pay attention, but often they're judging things or judging themselves. And what we've learned is that the science of judgment and shame is that it shuts down the learning centers of the brain. And so you can't actually learn or change or grow when you're judging yourself. And that's why this attitude of kindness, of curiosity is so important.
1: So, yeah, it seems like um, we're probably, uh, I don't know if we're originally wired this way, because I feel like we're probably originally wired the way that you're talking about um, bringing back, but somehow, somewhere along the way, we end up in this, like, one step forward, two steps back in our mind. Like you're saying, if you're judging yourself, you can't truly move forward.
2: Exactly. I mean, if you look at children, they're they're mindful. They're open. They're present. They're curious. They're kind. And I don't quite understand how it happens, but there is certainly a shift where all of a sudden we're self-conscious. We're judging. We're shaming ourselves. And what's interesting is you know, as a clinical psychologist, I've worked with a lot of different people. I worked for a long time with women with breast cancer. I've worked with very high level CEOs and stressed out college students. And what shocked me is that every single person I talked with was sharing the same experience of this tremendous self judgment and shame, that it's universal. And especially with parents, when I speak with parents, and I know in my own life, it's like, We're never good enough. We're never doing enough. It's never quite right. And there's this constant, constant self judgment. And what I've learned through the science is that shame doesn't work. It doesn't help us become better parents. It doesn't help us teach our children. It doesn't help us exercise or eat healthier. It actually shuts down our capacity to learn and
1: change. And that's a two-way street. That's shaming yourself and that's shaming your children, too. It's
2: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, I think, the beauty of mindfulness is, you know, Wendy asked me what it was. So mindfulness is really a way of being. It's a way of living. And, of course, the meditation practices help us grow these skills. But mindfulness is really a skill that is um, available to any of us. And so as we practice it, we can practice for ourselves this compassion and kindness and curiosity for ourselves. And then we can also offer it to our children. And I really encourage parents and especially teachers, you know, when you're trying to teach something, you have to create an environment of safety, kindness, and curiosity. That is what really turns on our learning centers, turns on our motivation centers. And so often in our school system, you know, we go about it the exact wrong way. We we put pressure on our children. We scare them. We, you know, and that that's just not a healthy learning environment.
0: Yes. And not only is it not healthy, but it doesn't work. That's what I, again, I'll- I'm going to keep coming back to, like, your book. I love how much work you have done over the years now, over the decades to, like, To have the research behind this to actually show us that it doesn't work, right? Like, and again, like you know, Terry was just saying, like when we practice self-judgment and shame and um, nagging ourselves and coming down on ourselves and all these things, um, we when we practice that, then we become really good at doing it with our kids. (laughs) So not only is it not working on ourselves to stop.
2: Yeah, you just described the kind of foundational tenet of neuroplasticity. Oh, what, yes. what you practice grows stronger. So if you're practicing shame and self-judgment, what happens is you're grooving these neural pathways in your brain and they become bigger and stronger. It's actually called cortical thickening, which is the growth of new neurons in response to repeated practice. So what this means is that anything we're practicing, our thoughts, our emotions, our behaviors, we're laying down pathways. And that's why it's so important moment by moment to practice kindness, curiosity and presence because every moment matters. You can't just do it for like 10 minutes a day and then the rest of the day go about, you know, being crazy and, and angry. That yeah. mindfulness, as I said before, it's not just about meditation, it's a moment by moment practice.
0: Yes. And Sean, I love how you give the analogy in the book of um a lot of times the habits that we do, right, that like have us not being mindful um they're like these super highways right like you hop on you're going 65 like it's you're you know how to do that you could literally do that with your eyes closed right like I could drive from San Diego to LA with my eyes closed basically almost right and then this idea of when you change it up it's like country roads that like you've never been down and there like might be a tree down in one section there might be like you know, weeds that you have to like stop and clear the path. But like, it's a practice to like actually get comfortable driving down those country roads so you can actually clear the path. So like the next time your kids like start fighting, you can actually practice the mindfulness that is going to get you the results that you want, which is a connected family where you work out problems with integrity and compassion and empathy and all these things, right? Would that be an accurate way to look at it? Exactly. And the beauty of neuroplasticity
2: is that it both grows new pathways, like new country roads of patients. Um, and it also prunes away those old pathways that are no longer serving you. So every time you choose to go down one path, you're pruning the other path. So it's this win win. And that's what I find so powerful about the science is that, you know, sometimes it's hard in the moment when you're angry or you're frustrated, you, it's so easy to go down that super highway of habit, you know, Yeah. and it's so helpful to actually realize every time I make the choice to choose differently, it's actually laying down a new pathway. And there's this sense, there's this incredible sense of hope that it's never too late to change that. No matter what mistakes you've made, no matter what your past, all of us have the capacity to change.
0: Let's chat for a hot sec, openly and honestly, about what your discipline toolkit looks like in your home right now. If you're anything like most parents, you're relying on the hand-me-down set you inherited, Well, hey there, families. I want to take a moment to tell you about one of my favorite ways to take care of myself as a busy parent, which I'm always telling you guys is so important. Self-care is a necessary part of being a parent. Without self-care, we are unable to respond to our kids in the ways that we feel proud of at the end of the day because our bucket is empty and we really can't parent with integrity with empty buckets. So the Balanced Life Sisterhood is an online Pilates membership program that makes it easy for you to build strength, reduce stress, which is almost my favorite part of this program, and feel good in a way that is 100% doable and 0% overwhelming. So I have been a member of The Balance Life for over five years now, and I can honestly say that no matter how busy my day is with the kids or how many challenges I've had to navigate with sibling rivalry or pushback, whatever it may be, or even just a busy day at work, when I make time to do a short Pilates workout with Robin, who's the founder of The Balance Life, I just feel better, I feel less stressed, my body feels strong, and I just I absolutely love Robin Long's programs. So I want to offer you guys an opportunity to go learn about The Balance Life Sisterhood. You can head to Fresh Start Family com forward slash TBL, as in the balanced life. So, fresh start family forward slash TBL, and you can use code Wendy20 for $20 off your first month's membership. Enjoy! Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Yeah. This morning, um, we were, um, meditating before we got on this. So Terry, I've been, I learned transcendental meditation a few years ago and I I want to talk about meditation for one quick second before we get onto the next thing. But, um, and Terry just recently learned transcendental meditation. So we're doing it for our, we're trying to get our 20 minutes in each morning. And Terry, um, said to me, you know, um, before we came in, he said, babe, you know, we have this interview this morning. I know you're really excited and, and you have all much so much on your mind. He's like, were you able to clear your mind this morning? And I was like, no, I wasn't because I had so much going on. And we started talking about the practice of how... Every time we practice, like so in our meditation, you know, it's like every time the thoughts start coming at you, you just start over. You just try again, right? You just get back to your word. TM is about one word. You just get back to your word. And I love how you talk in the book about how it's every single time you start over. It's just, it's like another chance. To, you, you're just, you're just pruning the road. You don't need to beat yourself up that you don't, you're not good or your, your mind is all over the place. Um, but you just, it's just, you're just doing the task. You're doing the practice that is part of meditation. Would that be accurate?
2: Exactly. That is
0: really the beauty
2: of meditation is you can begin again in any moment. Your mind wanders off, you gently bring it back. And in fact, one of the keys to actually practicing meditation is how you bring your mind back. Because so many people, when they notice their mind has wandered, they kind of beat themselves up. You know, darn it, why can't I do this? I'm terrible at this. And it's really helpful to know that the mind wanders on average 47% of the time. That's research from Harvard. All of our minds do it, right. it's no big deal. So your mind wanders off and you gently bring it back, just like it's a little puppy dog. It wanders and you're like, <laughs> back and it wanders again and you're like, stay, stay. The key is how you do it because you're laying down pathways of either judgment
0: or kindness. Yes. Oh, I love it. And and one more thing um, I love about meditation that you talk about is um, how, you know, I think a lot like a myth about meditation that I think d- prevents people from practicing it, which is a, a path to mindfulness, right? But they think it's like it's a Buddhist practice or like it's a um, only, you know, like Uh, like hippies right or something but I love how you talk about it's it's for everybody it's a practice it's just like it's you know just like Christians pray all the time well it we're not the you know we're not the only ones that can pray everybody can pray it's just a practice right it's a beautiful practice that helps us get to where we want to go and it's something that you do have to practice right is that is exactly yeah
2: It's such an important point because so often I think people are afraid to practice mindfulness or meditation because they think it's a Buddhist thing or it's going to take them away from whatever religion they're practicing. But mindfulness is a human thing, right? We We all have this capacity to pay attention with kindness. And what I found is it really serves to help people strengthen their spirituality, strengthen their religious commitments, helps them pray better because they're actually paying attention. They're actually present. Mm.
0: such a good point yes
1: well I think at the root of all of it it, you're trying to you know reveal even to yourself who you were originally designed to be and I think that's a universal desire for everybody no matter what journey you're on you know from a faith perspective yeah
0: you were talking about that this morning Terry what is that that you say in the book Shauna it's not you're not like trying to change yourself you're trying it's self-discovery tell us right what is that
2: One of the things we talked about in the book is this idea of self-improvement versus self-liberation. Ah, yes, that's it. (laughs) For so long, I practiced meditation kind of as one more way to try to be perfect and one more way to beat myself up if I wasn't kind enough or patient enough or whatever my ideals were. And there was this huge realization that came that that's not the point. The point isn't self-improvement. The point isn't perfection as an end game, right? Right perfection is the antithesis of evolution perfection means you're done you're not growing or evolving anymore the ultimate goal here is self-liberation is freedom from this judgmental mind freedom from our you know misguided understanding that we're separate freedom from our limiting beliefs and what mindfulness does is starts to just like terry said bring us back home to who we truly are to our own good hearts, to our own pure intentions.
0: Oh, I feel like that is, the like, if we were just to end right now, that would be a massive <laughs> takeaway that's going to change people's lives. And that is what, honestly, your book, there's, like, a gazillion of these. But that concept <laughs> right there, that is freaking life-changing. Like, because I, yeah. I am stuck in that pit.
1: <laughs> well, and, you know, obviously, we try to have people on the show that, meld well with you know what fresh start family does and you know i think that's so much of what prevents people from having um you know the relationships that i think deep down they desire within their family because it starts with you and what you're saying in your own head and you you gotta you gotta clean up a lot of that in order to even be able to say yes to some new way of 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 you know Parenting or running your family unit or trying something different. Because it's all these things you said, it's like, well, I'm just gonna go with what feels familiar, but you know, a lot of times that hasn't been serving you, or there's a lot of negativity in your own head, or you know, past generational cycles that you're just repeating that let's just try something new. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
2: And that's, you know, getting back to the super highways. Those super highways don't go somewhere new. You know where they go. Yeah. <laughs> And so for us to go somewhere new, we have to take a new road and it does require practice. And that's really, for me, neuroplasticity is, it's, it's such a hopeful message and it gives you a clear roadmap. It says, you know, when you practice these pathways, you grow these pathways. When you practice these ones, you grow these ones. And so it really comes down to what do you want to grow? What's most important? And for families, I think it does, just as Terry said, it begins with yourself, that how you treat yourself is so important. And that's why I focused a lot of the book on self-compassion, because people often think that self-compassion is weak or that it's selfish or that it's self-indulgent. And the science shows the exact opposite people who are compassionate with themselves are compassionate with others. People who are compassionate with themselves, they take care of themselves so that they can take care of others. And in fact, what the research shows is people who are self-compassionate are better parents, better leaders, better educators, um, and more effective at creating change. And so it's really one of the areas I've studied and focused on quite a bit, especially for parents because I think we're so hard on ourselves and we don't realize that that traps us. It keeps us stuck in repeating the same patterns and then it leaks out because that same criticism, we're practicing it all the time. It leaks out on our children.
0: Yes, and it keeps us stuck. It
2: keeps exactly. us
0: stuck. Oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and it is, I love, I love this idea that you talk about that self-compassion is this radical approach, right? Because it is so counter-cultural, right? It's so much more common, um, to beat yourself up than it is to actually stop and say, I love some of the guidance I've, you know, hear you talk about It's like, slow down when you catch yourself beating yourself up, slow down and say, you know, say something like, you know what, I'm I'm trying, I'm trying again, I'm doing my best or I forget the exact verbiage you use, but any tips there on <laughs> as far as like what the verbiage could look like? Yeah. So,
2: so the first thing to know when you're trying to be kind to yourself, the best approach I've learned is to imagine your dear friend, someone who you love so much is in the exact same situation as you. What would you say to them? How would you respond? And all of a sudden your heart kind of softens and opens and you're like, Oh, sweetheart. This is hard, right? So there's this, this kindness. And I'll tell you, it doesn't work if you try to imagine what your dear friend would say to you. That totally doesn't cut through it. You have to. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, because then you're like, oh, yeah, that's BS. But when when you imagine your dear friend or, or someone you love, it's so easy to offer compassion. And then you turn it back towards yourself. And self-compassion includes these three key steps. And the first is mindfulness, which is just naming the pain, naming the emotion, because we can't heal it until we see it. So the first step is, I'm scared, or this is hard. And what's interesting is research at UCLA shows that by just naming an emotion, it down-regulates our physiology. It actually calms down the nervous system so we can handle the emotion. So there's something very powerful in just saying, I'm scared, I'm angry, I'm, I'm hurt. The second step is to bring kindness to say, oh, sweetheart, you're scared. I care about you, I'm here. And just kind of, what I'll often do is I'll put my hand on my heart. For those of you listening, you might wanna just try it right now because it's this beautiful gesture of self-care. It also releases oxytocin, which is good for you. And there's this this real sweetness of that that sense of touch of I'm on my own team, I'm, I'm my own ally instead of my own inner enemy. So that's the second step is this kindness And then the third step, which I think is revolutionary, is common humanity, is recognizing I'm not alone in my pain. I'm not the only mother right now that feels like she blew it or didn't do a good enough job. And so then you imagine all the other people feeling the same way you do right now, and you send them compassion. You send them your care. And I think so often we isolate in our pain. We feel like I'm the only one. And it's so helpful to know that it's natural and that all these other people also are needing compassion. And I remember when I was nursing, which was a long time ago, 14 years ago, but I remember once waking up, it was like 3 in the morning. Well, I didn't wake up, of course. My son woke me up. Yeah. I remember being in the rocking chair and it was one of those nights where like, I was so bone tired that it was, I was almost nauseous. Like I just couldn't do it. And I remember rocking in this cold, dark room and just kind of like almost teary. Like I just can't keep going. And then all of a sudden I practiced this self-compassion. So I just named it. Wow. Really tired. You're tired. And then kindness for myself, sweetheart. This is hard. And then all of a sudden I had this flash of like all the other mothers in the world right then who were so tired and who were nursing. And I just started sending this kindness and compassion out to them. And I felt just incredibly supported and held and part of something bigger than myself.
0: Families, I have a question for you. Would you love to be able to set really strong boundaries and rules with your children and then follow through with consistency and firm kindness If yes, listen up. I have a program called the Firm and Kind Parenting Blueprint that I'd love for you to go check out. You can learn more over at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Inside of this quick, easy to finish program, I'll teach you four steps to really setting those strong roles, but then following through in a way where you're using connection and firm kindness. And what I'll teach you will actually cause your children to want to cooperate with you because they truly respect you and value the rule and the boundary and understand how it serves them, not just something that they have to do or else. And it's just an incredible feeling when you go to bed at night knowing that you followed through on the rules and the strong boundaries in your home without relying on hand-me-down parenting tactics like fear, force, threats, yelling, harsh punishments that really create usually fear in your household, right? We want our children to listen to us because they respect us and because they understand why being part of the team, cooperating well, Know if you have any questions com forward slash firm
1: and kind
0: oh my gosh that's so beautiful wow
1: that's awesome yeah because to recognize that you're not alone is um gosh it just i think the enemy wants you to feel like you're alone so yeah. at the moment you realize that you're um that you have other people out there that are either feeling the same way or going through something similar. It just, it does, it lifts your chin up big time. And I've never related to nursing a kid. (laughs) in uh, the yeah. dark at 3am but maybe the closest thing I've been in a room with a kid at 3am with a bottle
0: a, you were a rock star with when the kids were nursing he was always like the baby caddy so he mm. would go get the baby bring him to me I would just lay there and nurse and then he would stay awake until the baby was done to take him back like
1: it was thank you for remembering that I, I do thought,
0: remember that I
1: thought all this stuff gets <laughs> like reset in the memory or something it's like, it's like erased dumped on no, hard drive no you were drive. the best
0: ever Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, Shauna, this is so important especially right now as we're talking about this self-compassion and how to actually practice it in real life because I feel like I know for sure because, you know, we have almost 200 members in our bonfire membership program, families from all over the world. We just, you know, we have all these new students that are just coming into our foundation's course, so I'm I'm constantly talking to families, right? And amidst this whole corona mess, I will tell you for sure there is suffering and everybody want, like we all are trying to hold our head up and say, okay, we're healthy. We have it good. Everything's okay. Like, you know, we're, it's like this, um, it's one of these coping mechanisms that you talk about in the book, really rationalizations and pep talks. So what I'm finding is all these families that I work with, it honestly feels like 99% of the people are struggling big time. However, most of us are using, one of these coping mechanisms, we're rationalizing it saying, well, you know, of course we're stressed out this, you know, this is hard, but like, we're fine. We're healthy. We we have a house over our head. We still have our jobs. Like it's, you know, first world problems. It's like almost these pep talks. um, Or it's what the other one you say is judgment and shame, which is like, what is wrong with me? Like, I just had a, a team meeting with my team yesterday where one of my assistant was saying, what is wrong with me? Like, I am snapping at the kids every day. I'm stressed out. The house is a mess. Like, literally, like, everyone else seems fine. And I'm the one over here, like, freaking out. And right. so what the practice that you just went through, I feel like, is going to change lives amidst, amidst this coronavirus mess. Um, because it really is this practice that can change everything. And those coping mechanisms are not working for us. Like, the rationalizations, right. the pep talks, and the judgment and shame... Are not freaking working. They're not turning it around for us. Um, and then what happens is we're more stressed with our kids, and we're there's more volatility in the home. There's more bickering. So I'm so excited for everyone to start practicing this because, um, you know, it's it's not working. And anyone, and I know you talk about this in the book too. It's like the definition of crazy. We keep doing the same thing, thinking that it's going to give us different results, but it's not. Like many of us are just still feeling stuck.
2: Exactly. And I think what you mentioned are we, we tend to default to two coping mechanisms. And one is we build ourselves up with self-esteem or the other is we break ourselves down and beat ourselves up with shame and judgment. And neither work. Self-esteem is kind of a fair weather friend. Like it's great when things are going well, um, but as soon as there's a downturn, as soon as there's a problem, all of a sudden it abandons us. Whereas self-compassion is always here for us, no matter what is happening. So self-compassion is an antidote to self-esteem and it's also an antidote to shame because as I mentioned before, when we shame ourselves, we shut down the learning centers of the brain and we keep ourselves stuck in these patterns that we don't want to repeat. And so again, self-compassion comes to our rescue and helps kind of create a learning environment where we can see our mistakes clearly and then make real changes.
0: Mm, Beautiful. I'm going to read one quick section here that is so important that I want listeners to know because what, so what we do here at Fresh Start Family is we teach parents a different way to teach their children important life lessons that does not involve relying on fear and force, which often includes a lot of shame, right? So this idea that we're talking about, this this the, all this research that you're showing us that self compassion is this antidote to shame, right? Um, is so important. So you say in the book, when we feel shame, the amygdala, the part of the brain that is central to memory, decision making, and emotional responses, triggers a cascade of you're going to have to say that word, norepinephrine, Is that right, Shana? And I don't know, hopefully that's right. Norepinephrine. Thank you. And cortisol, chemicals that increase our stress level, narrow our perspective on perceived threats, and inhibit our cognitive flexibility. Shame puts us in the grip of our fight, flight, or freeze survival response, thereby inhibiting the learning centers of the brain. And this is is so important because as we're raising children... We're constantly in this learning state of, like, how are we going to teach? How are we going to help them get along with their siblings? How are we going to get them to, you know, get in the car or put on their shoes without fighting? How are we going to get them to eat vegetables and keep their healthy body or drink enough water today or wear their shoe, wear their helmet when they go for a skateboard ride? I think it takes so much creativity and the learning centers of our brain, they need to be lit up, not in, like, survival mode, defense, right? Right. One of the areas that I'm so
2: interested in is innovation and creativity and problem solving, which we need all of as parents. And one of the um, we published a a paper in the Harvard Business Review with um, Stanford engineering students. And what we found is people who practice mindfulness are more open minded. They are more creative. They have more flexible thinking And these are all essential characteristics of parents. This is what we need. And I think it's really what our world needs right now. There's this beautiful quote from Einstein. He says, the consciousness that created the problem is not the consciousness that can solve it. Mm. And all of us are needing to kind of learn to shift our consciousness out of the automatic pilot mode of being out of our limiting beliefs into this greater sense of freedom and possibility and openness
0: beautiful. Oh my gosh. I could just keep yeah, going.
1: It seems like, <laughs> you know, that, that word of creativity, I think spans across um, your work and, and our work here, because I think people put unfair labels on themselves. Like they're like, I'm not creative or, um, I, yeah, I can't do that. Or they're just not open to even trying. And I think deep down, I mean, people, you know, have a level of creativity that they never give themselves credit for, because I think they just shut themselves off from the get go that they're, and that could be a form of their own shame of like putting a label on themselves of like, I'm not that, or I can't do that. Um, they're just putting a, putting a cap on themselves.
2: Exactly. And I think the goal, as we said before, is, is this real capacity to meet each moment freshly instead of based on our limiting beliefs or on our conditioning or ideas what, of what is possible. There's a beautiful quote um, from Dr. Dan Siegel. He's a neuroscientist in UCLA. And he says that certainty equals zero possibility. Uncertainty equals infinite possibility. Oh, this is awesome. just a mathematical equation, right? And so often as parents and as human beings, we're looking for certainty. We're trying to control things, especially right now. We're feeling all of us, a little out of control. And what he says is there is this beautiful um, possibility that comes from being uncertain, from keeping a beginner's mind and open mind.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. And this idea that we are all capable of change, right? This, like our children are capable of change. We are capable of change and how shame corrodes, that very part of us that believes we're capable of change so and that's what we're always trying to do as parents right like when our kids make mistakes we're trying to teach them hey this is not who you are like and you get to learn from your mistake what did you learn what are the different decisions you're going to make tomorrow how are you going to build up your self-control your self-regulation all these things you're capable of change and then like we want that too but shame just gets in the way of that and corrodes that very part of our brain Exactly. And I
2: think that's what I really tell people. I I say, you know, if beating yourself up worked, if it made you a better parent and a better person, I'd say, go ahead. But it actually worked. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. Well, Shauna, um, I literally could spend so long with you, but I know um, I think you have a meeting next. Um, Terry's got to run to his next meeting. But oh, my gosh, thank you for being here with us today. That was just if you could end us with, you know, one thing. What is the most important thing that you want readers to get out of your book? Good morning. I love you. Which, by the way, we're going to make sure we put in our show notes a link to this. You can you can get it over on the Fresh Start Family family shop page. It's available on Amazon. But what is the most important takeaway that you would would tell um, listeners? Yeah, thank you. Um, You know, the reason
2: I wrote this book, Good Morning, I Love You, is because I've spent the last 20 years as a scientist studying these practices of mindfulness and self-compassion. And what we've learned is they work. That It's never too late, that no one's beyond the possibility of change. And it's just such a hopeful message. And to have it come from science, I feel like it reassures people. It gives them hope and it gives them the motivation to begin. So if there's one thing I want people to take with them, it's that it's never too late, that change is possible for all of us. And it simply requires that you begin. There's a beautiful quote that says, wherever you are is the entry point. So begin oh, yes. right here,
0: right now. That is such a good takeaway, Shada. Thank you for, yeah, gosh, your decades of work that you have put into this and for pouring your heart into um, this book. I know that you have spent um, the last year of your life just um, just really just pouring your heart into this book. And I can't wait for all of our listeners to get a hold of it. Again, thank you for being here. We love you. And yeah, you so. um, yes. All right. Well, have a good day. Bye. For links and all the information we talked about during today's episode, head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash 49. For more information, go to freshstartfamilyonline.com. Thanks for listening, families. Have a great day. volcano instead of respond like the firm